Luke chapter 5. Some of y'all are in a cold mood today. The chill on the outside, you tried to bring it in with you. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you smell particularly well today. You smell good. I was glad I sat beside you. <laughs> I love having a microphone. Uh, Jesus, help me. Luke 5, if you got it, say word. My subject this morning, a prophetic boat trip. A prophetic boat trip. How many ready to take a boat trip with me today? Luke chapter 5. So it was as the multitude pressed on Jesus to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep. Say that, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. Pay careful attention to verse 8, please. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. Depart from me, O Lord, for I'm a sinful man. I want to preach this morning on a prophetic boat trip. Look at your neighbor and say, let's take a boat ride. Father, help us today to preach the word of God with clarity and with unction. May you supply the spirit of the Lord and the unction of the spirit. I have nothing in me that will help these people unless you send your spirit, Lord. And today, God, we covet and desire a freedom and a... And, a, and an anointing to preach the word of the God. And I, I thank you, God, they're going to jump in this anointing with me today. That people are going to receive the word of the Lord today. Father, your word is like fire shut up in my bones. And I pray today, God, there would just be a release in this house. And I thank you, Lord God, that we have time and we have attention to give to the word today. So bless us, Lord, as we hear it. And may we mix faith with it. And I pray it will bring manifestation, Father, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. This morning I am preaching from a very familiar text. I told you when I began this series several days ago, last Sunday, that this series would essentially be uh, established around the water, around the lake. It would, it would happen. Most of this would happen on the ocean. And today is, uh, or, or on the Sea of, of Galilee, and today is no different. In fact, the story that I read to you in Luke chapter 5 is probably one of the most famous stories in the Gospels as it relates to the fishermen that Jesus called. 
When Jesus called Peter, James, and John, and he called the brothers uh, uh, to, to follow him, we know at that time of their calling, they were fishermen. And I told you last week that it wasn't Jesus just picked fishermen out and then made them preachers. Jesus pulled fishermen out and their entire ministry, their entire experience with God, most of it can be centered around this lake of Gennesaret, this sea of Galilee and the fishing expeditions that they went on. Jesus had a way of talking to them through what their career had been. How many know that the Lord knows how to get our attention no matter where we may be in life? And I talked last week about the prophetic layer and the kingdom layer that God often lays on top of what we're already doing. Some people say, Lord, I want to know my purpose. I'm willing to quit everything I'm doing and follow you. And while I am grateful and God is grateful for a heart that is willing to leave everything behind and follow him, I want to tell you this morning, oftentimes it's not that God pulls you out of the thing that you're doing. It's that God gives you purpose in what you're already in. He doesn't say quit fishing. He says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. This story before us today is one that intrigues me because it is a story where Jesus grabs the attention of these fishermen and he begins to reveal his nature and his heart, his power and his miracle working ability to them in what they perceived as failure. Everyone say failure. Now this morning I want to talk about failure for a few moments because no matter who you are, no matter how educated you are, no matter how many times you practice, no matter what you're up to in life, I want to tell you that everyone in this room will fail. You will fail in your spiritual walk sometime, you will fail in your marriage sometime, you will fail as a parent Sometime you will fail as a co-worker. Sometimes, I, I don't know if you play sports, but you're not going to make every shot. You're not going to throw and complete every pass. Come on, somebody. Failure is a part of the human journey. I didn't come today to depress you by, by prophesying doom and gloom over your life. But I do want to help some people in this place make sense of a season that they have gone through where things just didn't work out like you thought they would. And you are left like Peter and the rest of the disciples who have come back in from a fishing trip and supposing to be expert fishermen, there was nothing more detrimental to the ego of a fisherman than to come back home with an empty net. And yet that is the story and the testimony of Peter and those who were fishing with him. They go out and they go fishing all night long and they catch nothing. They have nothing to show for their work. They have nothing to show for the time that they put in. And this is not just some, this is not just some uh, fishing trip for, for um, uh, recreational purposes. This is their livelihood. This is how they pay the bills. This is how they put food on the table. This is how they support their family. This is how they advance their own lives. And yet we are told they have caught nothing. You would think that being expert fishermen, you would, you would know exactly where to go, exactly what to do, and you would be able to implement a strategy to catch fish, but this is not so. They've done all they know to do, and they come back home as the sun rises in the morning, and they have caught nothing. Somebody say failure. Today, God knows how to address failure in our lives. Today, God knows what to do with us when we go through a season of failure. 
God knows what to say to us when we have failed. And today what I really want to make sure that I drive home in your spirit as we talk about this prophetic fishing trip that we're getting ready to take is that failure does not have to be final. Oh, I'm going to say it again. Failure does not have to be final. Failure doesn't have to define your future. I don't know what you've done in your past and what you have failed at. Maybe it was a business deal. Maybe it was a job that you thought you were well informed and educated enough to succeed in and you didn't. Whatever your failure was in, whether it was a moral failure, a financial failure, a job failure, a family failure, what a career failure, a spiritual failure, whatever your failure was in, it does not have to define your future you may have failed but you are not a failure look at somebody and tell them this morning you may have failed but you are not a failure Peter comes in with nothing in the boat he has nothing in the net And so the Bible tells us after this moment of failure and catching nothing, he gets out of the boat and he goes and begins to wash his net. When he gets out of the boat, Jesus gets into the boat. Read the Bible. What we abandon because of our failure, I've often seen God fill it up. There are times in your life when you think you have failed and God is through. And so because you think God is through and you're a failure, you get out of a boat and you go back to washing nets and you just, you just accept the failure. But I want to tell you today, what you have decided to abandon, God is about to get in. What you have decided to give up on, God is about to feel. What you don't think works anymore, God is about to show somebody in this room, the boat is not the problem. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, the boat is not the problem. Christianity is not the problem. The Bible is not the problem. The church, I'm going to preach in here today whether you say amen or not. The church is not the problem. Preachers can be, but most of the time, preachers are not the problem. Most of the time, we give up on things too quickly and we, de- we decide God is through with something when God hasn't even started yet. Peter got out of the boat and went over and began to wash his nets. And watch this. And Jesus is getting ready to show Peter the boat is not the problem. Because Jesus gets in the boat, watch, and all the fish come to him. They call him the multitude, but I call him the fish. We're all fish, right? He's getting ready to show Peter the boat isn't the problem. The problem is not 21st century church. The problem is not the boat. The problem is not the idea of the church. The problem for most people, the reason most churches can't get fish to come is because Jesus is not in the boat. We've been blaming the boat for the inability to attract the fish. And the reason the fish aren't coming is because Jesus is not in the boat. He 
He gets in the boat and the whole multitude comes. I mean, they're walking out of cities and over hills and through the woods and they come listen to him teach off a boat. He's in a boat teaching the word of God, your Bible says, and the fish just swarm to him. I want to make a declaration for us over 2018. I'd rather us decide right now in January on the second week, we're not going fishing without Jesus in the boat. We're not praying without Jesus in the boat. We're not, I'm going to preach in here today. We're not preaching without Jesus in the boat. We're not singing without Jesus in the boat. We're not laying hands on sick people without Jesus in the boat. The boat is not the problem. I'm sick and tired of people who don't even go to church or go once every other month telling everybody how screwed up and bad the church is. The church isn't the problem. The boat isn't the problem. The problem is we try to go fishing and Jesus is not in the boat. We start businesses without Jesus in the boat. We, we start new careers without Jesus being in the boat. We get married without Jesus being in the boat. We have kids without Jesus being in the boat. I want to tell you today, the boat is not the problem. The problem is we got to get Jesus in the boat of our lives. And if you get him in the boat, you won't have a problem catching fish. Karate chop your neighbor say, get him in the boat. Now, here's what I want to talk, talk about. Jesus gets in the boat. He's fixing to do two things. He's fixing to preach a general word to a multitude. But then he's getting ready to give deeper revelation to someone who would let him get in his boat. I want to say to you, family, many hear the word of the Lord, but not not everybody gets close enough to hear the whisper. There are a lot of people who are satisfied with general teaching, but some of us are hungry for deeper revelation from God. I challenge you in 2018 not just to be one of the multitude who sit on the hillside and listen to Jesus teach from a distance. I challenge you to be one who gets in the boat with him and hears him tell you things that he doesn't tell just everybody. This isn't Gnosticism. This is the reward of, of, of God for those who will seek him when few have paid the price to seek him. Do you want him in the boat? Jesus gets in the boat, watch, and he preaches to the multitude. And he tells the multitude... He's preaching the word of God. We don't know the content of the sermon. Some people would suggest that it is like the content found in the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount. I don't know what he was teaching. He was teaching the word of God, your Bible says. But when he gets through teaching the word of God, he turns to Peter and says, Peter, launch out into the deep. Wait a minute. This is a man who just finished a season of failure. And without hesitation, after he gets in the boat and shows Peter the boat is not the problem, he looks at Simon and says to Simon, launch out into the deep. And I began to see some things from this text that I don't know that I've ever seen before. But I began to see what was perceived as failure as really the favor of God. Because what we know from this text is that Peter often fished 
in the shallow part of the lake. And there is a certain kind of fish and a certain kind of predictable harvest found in the shallow part of the lake. When Peter is in the boat and Jesus says, launch out into the deep, Jesus is showing us that Peter's failure to catch fish may not have really been a failure. It might have been favor. Had Peter caught fish in the shallow end, he would have caught a much smaller fish in a much smaller quantity. But the fact that he caught nothing in that previous season pushed him back to the shore. And Jesus was getting ready to show him, it's not that you're a failure, it's that I loved you too much, Peter, to let you catch an inferior harvest and let you walk around with a few fish in your net. No, I let you fail because I've got something bigger in store and I don't want you to be satisfied. Who am I talking to? Who am I talking to? Is there anybody in this house that can testify I have recently experienced a season of perceived failure? Nothing got in my net. No fish got in my boat. The voice in my head was telling me I was good for nothing. Nothing was happening. No doors were opening. It looked like I just need to go home and shut it all down. God sent me to tell somebody your perceived failure was God's love and favor on your life. Had you caught that little net of fish, you would have thought that was your destiny. But God sent me to tell somebody He loves you too much to let you succeed in the shallow end. I know this sounds crazy, but can somebody take a 12 second praise break for what didn't work in the shallow end? shallow end. How do I know this? Because Jesus said to him, launch out into the deep. Now let me show you something real quick from the text. Let me slow down here. I'm sweating in all this. Look at this. Take your, take your finger and put it on verse number three. Put your finger on verse number three if you have your Bible, your iPad, your phone. Put your, or if, put your finger on verse number three. See where it says, and he asked him to put out a little. See that? Your version may say something different, but in verse three of chapter five, he says, and he asked Simon to put out a little. Say, put out a little. That is the Greek word epinago. Say, epinago. Come on, I just taught y'all Greek. Look at your neighbor and say, I graduated. Come on, somebody. 
Epinago. Say Epinago. He said, push out a little. Say Epinago. Now put your finger on verse number five, four. See where it says launch out? Say launch out. Say launch out. Come on, say it like I'm saying. Say launch out. That word launch out in the Greek, you know what that word is? Epinago. It's the same command given in verse three that he gives him in verse four. Same exact word. In verse three, he says, put out a little. In verse four, he says, put out deeper. Here's the point. What God is wanting someone to do is something they've already done. It's just he wants you to go to a deeper place. I don't know if you caught it. I heard Tia catch it over there. It's not that he changed the command. It's that he invited him to do something and go to a place he had never been before. Listen, D, I'm not talking about doing something we've never done. I'm talking about going somewhere we've never been. Push out a little. Epinago. Next verse. Epinago. Except don't just go out a little. Do the same thing you've been doing. Pray like you've been praying. Worship like you've been worshiping. Give like you've been giving. The only difference is this time, I want you to go deeper than you've ever been. You're missing what I'm saying. Some of you are trying to find a new formula to get you into a level you've never been before. And God told me to tell somebody what you've been doing is what you've got to keep doing. But you've got to decide I'm not stopping where I used to stop. I'm praying until I go deeper. I'm giving until I give deeper. I'm worshiping until I worship deeper. Deep is not an adjective. Launch out into the deep is a destination. Well, Brother Wallace, I don't want to get too deep. Deep doesn't mean We have this notion of deep, like it means someone who gives an answer you can't understand. He is so deep. Deep is not an adjective. Deep is a place. In fact, I found out deep people don't... You felt that, Rick. I felt it too. It just wasn't at that time, but I felt it. Woo! That's my brother right there, y'all. I go anywhere with him. Let the Lord use you, Rick. Hallelujah. Deep is not an adjective. Deep is a place. And here's what I found out about deep. You get to decide where deep is. Let me talk for a minute. I feel like I'm, I'm ruffling some feathers over here. The Lord spoke to me while we were in worship this morning. I don't even remember what song it was on. I sung a lyric that I didn't put an action to. It might have been lift up my hands and I didn't lift my hands up. 
God said, when are you going to stop singing lies? I know y'all can't handle this because y'all did it too. And conviction fell on me like it just fell on some of you. Stop singing lies. How great thou art and you're looking at your Facebook account. Oh, here comes the prophet. Hold on for a minute. The apostle getting ready to walk heavy. Hold on. Lift up your hands and we're sitting there like this. You think you know something, but God told me to tell you you're shallow. Because deep people aren't people who just know something. Deep people are people who are assigned to a place. And I can't get to that place as long as my carnal mind is dictating my action. I've got to be connected to God and go somewhere I've never been. There is a reason I lift my hands every time a song says lift my hands. It's because my spirit is commanding my body to lift my hands. Do I always feel like lifting my hands? No. But is he always? Ways worthy? Yes! But why we always gotta clap and shout? You don't have to. You can run down to the cemetery and sit with all them and do nothing. But those who want God will bless Him at all times. In fact, somebody do it right now. Somebody buckle, shake it. on my neck right now. I'm telling you right now, somebody's getting ready to launch. I feel like somebody in this house is getting ready to launch. I feel like somebody is about to break away from that thing, holding that shuttle up, and the rocket in your spirit is getting ready to ignite. The ground is getting ready to shake, and you're getting ready to go where you've never gone before. Somebody holler deep. in the shallow end be thankful you missed it because had you caught that in the shallow end you would have went home with a shallow harvest and you would have lived your whole life not knowing the reward of those who go out into the deep He goes, he goes, launch out into the deep. How do you know where deep is? I mean, deep didn't have a sign. You know what I'm saying? Deep didn't have a sign. It wasn't like there was a buoy out there floating around in the water that said, deep. You know how I know you find the deep? You can't see the bottom. <laughs> you look over your boat. And you know what some people do? As long as they can see the bottom, 
They know if I fall out, I can touch. And there are some people who like living in a place that if they, if it all went wrong, I got a reserve and I got a safety net and I know I can touch bottom. But you know you're in deep water when you look over the boat and you cannot see the bottom. In other words, if this don't work out, I'm in trouble. If, if I fall out of this boat, I can't make myself swim this far back. Sometimes God wants to get you. I ain't never been out here before. How do I navigate these waters? I ain't never been in this place before. I ain't never been with this big of a budget before. I ain't never had to manage this many people before. What am I doing? I can't see the bottom. I must be in a place called deep. Some of you, your businesses are getting ready to launch to a place called deep. Some of you, your families are getting ready to launch to a place called deep. Some of you are in a relationship. God's getting ready to take you deeper. And you're going to know that person is either supposed to be a part of your life or they're not. By knowing if they can stay in the boat when you get to the deep place or not. I've had friends that could hang with me in the shallow end. But when you launch out into the deep, excuse me, Wallace, i got to get out the boat. I can't hang with you in the deep end. There are some people in here today, you're getting ready to get a new circle of friends. Because the people that like you in the shallow end, they won't run with you when you get to the deep end. Am I right about it? How many made up your mind I'm going on without them? I'm going on without them. I can't stay in the shallow end just to keep you happy. I've got an appointment. In a place called the deep. He gets out in the deep. And he says to him, cast your net out there. Cast your nets don't, don't miss what the text teaches. Now, I understand that there is a discrepancy and a discussion as to whether the first was plural and the second was singular. Certain older manuscripts justify the thought that the first time Jesus commanded it was plural nets. Peter's response was a singular net. There are other manuscripts that would show us that there was no discrepancy. Both was the same Greek word without any plural addition at all. But I think there's something about the plural command of Jesus to cast out nets and the limited faith of Peter when he responded by casting out a net. Let me say it one more time because some of you are still trying to catch that. Jesus said, cast your nets. Peter cast his net. What does that matter, Wallace? Nothing until it's harvest time. Your one net expectation won't hurt you until it's harvest time. And when it's harvest time, you are going to wish 
you paid more attention. Oh, I got to read this. Hold on. Let me read it. Let me get out of my boat and read this. No, that's a rhyme. Let me get out of my boat and read this note. What? Never mind. Some of you wouldn't smile if you saw a gnat carry an elephant. Here's what I want you to hear me say. Three things I want. Oh, thank you, Lord. Three things I want you to do for 18. Say, neighbor, please catch this. Number one, obey completely. Do not assume, you don't have to tell them this, let me talk now. <laughs> I love y'all so much. Y'all are the greatest in the whole world. Obey completely. My wife just said obey completely and I said, thank you, honey, you're so awesome. <laughs> in this year, don't assume that you can use previous layers of understanding to apply to fresh new commands for a new year. You think, well, I'm out here and we're fixing to catch something, so I'll throw the same old net out that I've always thrown out. He did not say net. He said nets. So number one, obey completely. Number two, do this in 2018. Pay careful attention to what he said. How many times is God required to say something? He's required to say it once. If he says it more than once, that's an act of his kindness. I have found out that when God wakes me up in the middle of the night or in the early in the morning or when I'm driving down the road, I have found out I need to write it down immediately. Because I may wake up an hour later. Come on, how many of you woke up at 3 o'clock? You're like, man, this is too early, Lord. I don't know about you and what you're doing right now, but I was in that, uh, what is it called? What kind of sleep is that? REM sleep. R-E-M. So L-E-A-V-E, me, A-L-O-N-E, please. When he talks to you, write it down and pay careful attention to what he says. Because in grace and in kindness, he often says it more than once, but he's not required to. And we should steward the word of God as if it means something dear to us. Obey completely, listen carefully. And the third thing that I feel like God told me to tell you for 2018 is anticipate a harvest that will not be fully manifested until you learn how to partner with other people. Amen. Wallace, that's decent right there. Anticipate a harvest that you will not be able to reap by yourself. What if I told you the harvest God had intended for us was so significant it would take more than one net to bring it in? Be careful who you get jealous of. Their net may be part of your blessing. Oh, it got quiet in here. Let me walk around some more. I was doing better when I was walking around. Be careful who you get envious and jealous of. Their net might be part of your blessing. And your inability to work with them because of your nasty attitude may jeopardize the harvest God intended to send you in your future. 
Boy, I made people mad and happy all in the same statement. I love it. There are some selfish people in the kingdom of God that better get their act together real quick because it's harvest time. And oh, y'all better say amen. It's harvest time. And the harvest God is getting ready to send people is a harvest that is so significant it will not fit in your boat alone. God is testing your ability to network with other people. Network. Network. You know what a network is? Some of you have a net that won't work because you won't network. See, your net is too small to bring in the harvest that God intends to release. And he won't release it until you know how to network. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm here. I'll network with you. Because tell them what I'm getting ready to bring in. You better tell them or I'll walk out there. I said, tell them. What I'm getting ready to bring in, I need some help with. I need some help with this harvest. I need somebody to help me with this harvest. I'm going to need you to explain to me what to do with all this because God's getting ready to bless me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Stop thinking about a net harvest. And begin to net. Your net will work when you get in the right. I'm writing a book. Your net will work when you get in the right network. Come here, girl. You better get up. Come here. Yeah, I'm talking about you. I don't talk to nobody else like that. What a mercy. Before I married her, I had a net harvest going on in my life. That's right. But there came a point where God had more for me that he couldn't release to me until my net... And her net started working together. And I came to tell some marriages in here today, you need to begin to expect an increase. A flat, Ricky. You need to begin oh, to expect. I'm going to preach to your house today. You need to begin to expect increase in your house. Your first network ain't going to be another man and it ain't going to be another woman, sir. If you're married, the first level of increase coming to your house is when the network begins to work in your marriage. If one can put a thousand to flight, oh, two can put ten thousand to flight. I'm telling somebody, you getting ready to come into a harvest of increase. Shout all over the house. Network. Well, I'm closing in about eight minutes. 
Well, I've been, I've been having my little net. It ain't working because you're limited. God loves you too much to let you catch fish by yourself. You're going to have to have a network. Well, I can't make no friends. Check yourself. I'm serious. Check yourself. You, I ain't got no friends. Well, look, put a smile on your face every now and then. I'm happy. No, you ain't. Notify your face if you're happy. I'm friendly. Can't you tell? You want to be my friend? Ain't nobody come up and ask me to be my friend. Well, we thought you hated our guts. Take a breath, man. Put a smile on your face. You might make a friend. Oh, I made some people mad right there. I felt that thing. But let me throw it back on you. <laughs> Network. We need one another. God would never equip you so fully that you could survive without leaning on brothers and sisters. And he would never bless you so generously that you could take it all and keep it to yourself. He had to make the harvest greater than your net or you might have been tempted to talk about how it was just yours. Thank you. He brings the net up and it starts to break. And the Bible says he signaled to his partners. Y'all come over here and help a brother. Here's what I heard the Lord say. Tell him it's signal Sunday. I know this is crazy, but it's what I heard in prayer. It's signal Sunday. You're going to have to start sending signals to people to help you carry what God's getting ready to release in your life. Who am I talking to? It's signal Sunday. I came to set a signals and, and release a signal to somebody in this house and tell you I am willing and ready to reap this harvest with you. I am not just intended, I am not just intending or satisfied to see the Wallace house blessed. I believe what God is getting ready to do in this house is something that is going to take networking and partnering and the celebration of an entire group of people. Every time we come through the door, somebody else is going to be getting a miracle and your little attitude of, I don't know if I can celebrate that, it ain't happened for me yet. The devil is a liar. I want you to break out in a crazy praise every time God blesses somebody in this house. We in the same network. Oh Lord, and if God is blessing them, God is getting ready to fill your net too. Somebody praise God if you believe it. I said, somebody praise God for harvest. Harvest in your finances. Harvest in your house. Harvest in your marriage. Harvest in your business. Harvest in your prayer life. Harvest in your children. Harvest in this church. Harvest in this city. Somebody praise God for a good measure. Press down. Oh, shut up, my God. Yes. He's getting ready to make you the head and not the tail. Above and not beneath. Lack is not your problem. Watch this, I'm through. He fills up the nets. 
and they bring them back. Don't miss it. I'm through preaching right here. They bring it back. And Peter falls down on his knees and repented. Don't miss what I'm getting ready to tell you. Failure did not produce the change. It was the goodness of God that caused Peter to repent. I'm going to let it soak in because some of you can't even believe it. Because religion taught you it's your failure. That empty net you got over there. You're going to keep drawing up that empty net. One day you're going to finally recognize God ain't with you and you're going to repent. That ain't what happened. It wasn't the empty net that caused Peter to repent. It was a harvest. Isn't God good? Y'all better quit acting so funny. I said, isn't God good? It is the goodness of the Lord that leads a man or a woman to repentance. It wasn't the empty net that got Peter's attention. It was the full net. Because here's what he said. If he would be so good to me to bless me when I didn't deserve it, I've got to give him my life and repent for all the times I lived a selfish existence. Some of you, you, you can help me him through. Some of us today, we think the failure is what attracts God. And we think it is the failure that becomes the punitive punishment. And hopefully one day God will feel sorry for us, for us enough that he would redeem our lives and forgive us. God does not communicate his grace and mercy through empty nets. Because if he did, you could say you earned his acceptance. God will bless you when you least deserve it. So that when he does, you will see his goodness in a moment you didn't expect it. And the demonstrated love of the Father will become clearer to someone who knows they don't deserve it. I know. Oh, hear me. I know. I don't deserve this. I mean, I'm just testifying here for a minute. I'm letting all of y'all know. If you ever thought I thought that I deserved this, please hear me real clearly tell you. I don't deserve this. I have to pinch myself sometimes and say, how could you be so kind to someone who is so screwed up? I know y'all not like that. Just pray for your pastor. But it's not the empty net that got my attention. It's when he blessed me and I know I didn't deserve it. And I have to back up and say, forgive me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. You're too good. Is anybody else understanding what I'm talking about? You're too good to me. All the times you kept me and you didn't have to keep me. 
All the times you helped me and you didn't have to help me. All the times you allowed me to recover and get back what the enemy told me I never have. I just want to thank you this morning. Oh, my neighbor might be in a hurry to get somewhere else, but I'm here to worship you today. Oh, that's what Peter did. When Peter brought in a harvest, he didn't run off and sell it and make the money and forget God. The Bible said he found out. Somebody ought to start worshiping right now because he's been better to you than you deserve. If he hadn't been better to you than you deserve, you don't have to worship him. But when he shows you his goodness and you know you didn't deserve it, Somebody lift those hands up and start thanking them right now. Come on, shake it. I'm a the goodness of the Lord. The goodness of the Lord. We're going to see the goodness of the Lord. This boat trip was not just about Peter catching fish. It was about Peter discovering if I'll just live my life in obedience to the word of the Lord, he'll do more in my life through my obedience than he ever would through my expertise. Oh, we, listen family, we've learned how to lean on the arm of the flesh. Sometimes we just need to have nothing to stand on but a word from the Lord. I can't see the bottom, Jesus. What you want me to do? Just cast your net. I ain't never been this deep before. It's all right, fish. I already taken care of it. Y'all, do you know how Peter caught all those fish? Because Jesus created every one of them. All he had to do was tell that fish, get over there. Hey, hurry up now. Aren't you glad he can command your blessing? <laughs> I said, aren't you glad he knows how to command your blessing? He's not trying to come up with a blessing. He's waiting on you to get where he commanded your blessing to go. Stand with me, I'm through. I want to make a declaration over you and your family. It's harvest time. I want every businessman or businesswoman to come stand in the altar right now, please. Every person that owns a business or leads a business, come stand right here. If you've got your own business, you're an entrepreneur, I feel an anointing to pray with you right now. You've got your own business. Look at this, my Lord. Isn't this wonderful? Come on, help me celebrate God. Just if, my God, we're going to have to have a business group. There's no business people in here to change Chattanooga. Imagine that. I want to come into agreement with you. At the beginning of this year, I want to set myself. Dev, come here, baby. I want Devin and I to set ourselves in agreement with you. That what God has put in your hands 
would experience the greatest harvest in this year that it has come here, baby, than it has ever experienced. I'm going to pray for God to anoint you with contracts, bless you with new partnerships that you can trust. Some of you have been burnt. Some of you have gotten hurt with bad partnerships. And I'm going to tell you right now, some of them were church people. But I hear the Lord saying that you can trust him in a new year for new relationships. And don't let a bad season in the past keep you from partnering with kingdom connections in the future. I'm setting myself in agreement with you now. Devin and I are going to pray with you now. I want you to lift your hands in a receiving position. Come on, baby. We're just going to walk by and bless them. I want to, I want to come into co covenant with them and bless them. I want the whole church to stretch your hands toward the altar right now. Everybody in the church, come on. Let's bless our businessmen and business ladies right now. We come into agreement that the goodness of God is going to be released on lives, on businesses. I bless them. Give me some oil, somebody. I need some oil. I just want to anoint them. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to wait on it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tobin, can you go sing that song? Can he go Finish sing it? Me, okay, he's in the dark. Finish I didn't see him. Lord, Just real soft. Just real soft, Tobin. You keep singing. I wanted you to play it like that. I bless them now. I bless I'm their businesses now. In the name of Jesus, Finish I bless them now. In 2018, may they experience the greatest blessing they've ever experienced in their life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Bless them today, Lord. Bless what their hands have been called to. I pray for increase on them now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I don't want to miss anybody. It's going to take me a minute, but we bless businesses. And we bless leaders now. I set myself in agreement with you that God's going to bless you. In the name of Jesus. Come on, pray, family. Come on, pray, family. I set myself in agreement now that the blessing of the Lord is on your life, on your ministry, on your business, on your entrepreneurial spirit. I bless it in the name of the Lord. Increase is coming to what your, hand, your hands have been called to. Increase is coming to what your hands have been called to. I bless you in the name of Jesus. I bless you in the name of Jesus. I bless you for a new year. Oh, Lord, thank you. I bless your business in the name of the Lord. Increase. Kingdom increase for the glory of God. Kingdom increase for the glory of God. For the glory of God, we bless the Lord for it. We will bless you, Lord, for it in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it. We thank you.